Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views. Yes, I finally am recording another one after I did my One Night Stand uh, podcast back in June. Yeah, I know, I was supposed to do Bash at the Beach 1996 for July, but shit happens, life happens, oh well. Maybe next year, maybe the year after that, I don't know. But this one is all about SummerSlam 1998, which is... My all-time favorite SummerSlam. Or at least in the top three. No, it is my number one favorite SummerSlam. Yeah, I know some people might not necessarily agree with that. And that's fine, because my top three is SummerSlam 98, SummerSlam 2002, and SummerSlam 97. That's just my preference. And But yeah, SummerSlam 1998 from Madison Square Garden. which is a, it was a, And it took place exactly 32 years ago. Not 32. 22 years ago to the day exactly 32 i keep saying i'll keep wanting to say 32 32 years ago was the first SummerSlam, and 1988 1998 was 22 years ago jeez what the hell's wrong with me it's probably because i'm recording this at 1 30 in the morning after dave the film junkies vodka stream that's why but yes 22 years ago exactly to the day on sunday august 30th and oh, we were right in the heat of the Attitude Era, the most exciting time in professional wrestling, no doubt about that. And I don't know, just something about, for me at least, like when WWE does shows at Madison Square Garden, whether it's Monday Night Raw or Friday Night, or SmackDown or or any of the pay per views, it just the paper, it just something about it just makes it that much more special, you know. You know, I don't. I don't know what it is like. Like when they did that. When they did the first their first Monday Night Raw in 1997 at the Garden, it was a very good show. And we got the WWF debut of Cactus Jack, in an awesome street fight against Hunter Hearst Hemsley. And you know they were. And then they also had, we had a pretty cool promo from. Oh, and also the other highlight we had Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the stunt, the Stone Cold Stunner to Vince McMahon for the very first time. So yeah, Madison Square Garden, we get a lot of great moments there. And you know, also like you know, Royal Rumble, uh, two thousand, awesome street fight with Triple H and Cactus Shack, which you can find that one in the archives with the Menetized Podcast from my classic wrestling pay per views back in January, celebrating twenty years of Royal Rumble two thousand, and and also last November I did Survivor Series two thousand two from Madison Square Garden. So in my first year of doing classic wrestling pay per views, I've covered. Actually, no, four Madison Square Garden pay-per-views. First was Summer Survivor Series 2002 back in November, then Royal Rumble 2000 in January, and I did the first WrestleMania back in March, and I did that as watch-along. And then now I'm doing SummerSlam 1988. Four big shows from Madison Square Garden. Hey, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. Madison Square Garden has a very special place in my heart. And I've had two awesome... WWE shows that I went to at Madison Square Garden that I will always remember. So yeah, garden shows just have they they, they hit a little a little different for me. Yeah. I'm not saying other shows are better, but you know, but yeah. Anyways, SummerSlam nineteen eighty eight from Madison Square Garden. Highway to Hell was the theme for the show. You know, the theme song, the classic by A C D C and then the whole theme of the pay per view. It was literally it was SummerSlam, Highway to Hell, that's on the poster, which is the thumbnail of this podcast. And I wish 
I had the original VHS recording that my brothers and I had of the pay-per-view because on the the version on the, on the WWE network, we don't get to hear the Highway to Hell theme at all during the show, which really sucks because getting to hear that song in the opening of the pay-per-view and then getting the highlights video at the end of the pay-per-view yeah it just it was just it's just so cool you know and then even the, the highway to hell music video that they showed on monday night raw on whatever episode i think it was probably i think it was the week before this one i don't know i have it bookmarked on one of my lists on here on youtube so I'll, I'll put the link to that in the description so you guys can check it out if you haven't seen it before and every time I watch it, oh, I, I get the, the nostalgic feels. But yeah, you don't get the Highway to Hell intro or the song at all for the pay-per-view. So right after they have the opening vignette, it just goes straight to the pyro. And then, boom, we kick it off with SummerSlam. With the opening match being Val Venus versus D'Lo Brown for the WWF European Championship. And this was because back then, you know, and they, they're starting to do it again now. That they would they would have matches that you didn't necessarily need a storyline to have these matches on their pay-per-views. Which I love when they do that because, you know, you don't... Yeah, storylines, you know, they help you to care about the match. But sometimes you don't need a f full-on storyline. Some, sometimes just... You know the stories, the story told in the match itself, can be great, and and this was a match that you know at at the time when I watched it back in 1998, I didn't fully appreciate the effort that Val Venus and D'Lo Brown put into it. But as I'm as now I'm older, and I've watched the show a couple more times, this is a very very good match, and it went just shy of 16 minutes, and just. Yeah, this was a very good wrestling match, and even and D'Lo Brown, he was you know a heel. He was with the Nation of Domination at the time, um, but he wasn't being 100% heel during the match. A couple of times, you know, he would you know do sportsman like and you know shake shook hands with Val or gave gave him a little you know high five kind of thing, or low five rather, and just yeah, it was it was just a solid wrestling match, and and. It makes, like I said, it made me appreciate even more the work that they that they both put in, and even made and made me makes me appreciate how great of a, an athlete D'Lo Brown was. And actually, I, w I would love to see him get inducted into the WWE, the WWE Hall of Fame at some point, whether it's by himself or it's part as like a stable induction with the Nation. Either way, I say he deserves it. That's just my opinion. Um, and Val Venus, I was always a fan of Val Venus, um, so. It was, and I was definitely a fan of his back then, especially. So it was f a lot of fun getting to revisit that, and you know the opening promo that he always does at the beginning of the matches at the time, that it was the big Valboski has arrived to the Big Apple, and then you know the 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 the, the big catchphrase for for uh, New York is I came, I saw, I conquered, but his he said I came, I saw, and I came again. We all know what that means, uh, or at least we should. You know, we're all adults here, or most of us at least. Yeah, I try to be an adult. But anyways, yeah, this was a very, very good match, and the match ended uh, by DQ uh, after uh, Valvinus took the chest protector that D'Lo was wearing because uh, I don't know if it was legit or just storyline uh, that he was had had broken ribs after having a match with Dan Severn. Uh, so he was wearing that to protect himself, and it had like little metal plates on there. 
So you know when he would do the the hit the his version of the the frog splash, which I think his was the lowdown, you know it would you know make contact with the with his opponent and it would hurt them so he can get the easy win. But Val took the chest protector and he was going to use it to do his finishing move, the money shot, you know, which is just a basic basic splash off the top rope. And referee um, Jimmy Corderas, who if you're not following him on Twitter, you should because he's awesome and hilarious on Twitter. Uh, he trying to stop Val from using the chest protector because it was, quote-unquote, an illegal move, uh, even though D'Lo never got disqualified for it. Uh, he grabbed Val's foot when he was on the top rope, made Val fall, and, you know, hurt, injured the big Valboski. Um, and then he and Val trying to, again, get D'Lo so he can do the money shot splash, and Jimmy Cordes get in his face again. He throws him to the side, and then... They're free signals for the bell to, for the disqualification, and then Valvin is getting angry. Body slams Jimmy and hits him with the money shot. And then up next, uh, I think we had the promo with uh, Mankind that was building off of the what happened on Sunday Night Heat but at the, before the show, the pay-per-view started, where there was a hearse that arrived at the Garden in Austin waiting for Kane or The Undertaker to, 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 uh, decided to destroy the, the hearse. And... We have a yeah a promo with mankind where he's talking about the, the, the 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 horse saying that it was his special SummerSlam ride that he was a ride that he was gonna stuff Kane inside there and it was just you know and also because um because uh, yeah the whole at this point the whole storyline was that Kane and Undertaker had you know come out that they were working together all the, I don't know if it was working together the entire time but that they were working together at that time at least so. Yeah, it was because they that was the one of the one of the big storylines going on on there. So, and then after that, we went to the next the next match, which was the Oddities, which consisted of uh, Giant Silva, Kurgan, who has had become a, go on to be have be a very successful actor in Hollywood, starring in some very good movies. He was he was uh, in Three Hundred Pacific Rim. He was in Deadpool Two. So he's doing very well for himself. Um, and Golga, who was the late great John Tenta, aka Earthquake, um, taking on Kaintai, the original stable of Kaintai, which was Takamishinoku, Shofunaki, uh, let me look at it, Men's Teo, and Dick Dick Togo, as Bruce Prichard would say, which I think his actual pronunciation is Dick Togo, but you know Bruce Prichard always says it, Dick Togo. <laughs> And this one was that was, you know, was the the haha match, the funny match to, just you know, this was the the entertainment match, the, the you know, you know, because WWE is sports entertainment. This was the entertainment part of it, and also when at for the entrance of the oddities in, in the at in the original broadcast, they are accompanied by Insane Clown Posse, doing performing doing a live performance of their entrance music. That entrance is completely cut off from the network version of the pay per view, which. I'm not a fan of Insane Clown Posse, but you know the entrance. I'm I'm all, I was always a fan of the the entrance that they had at, for them at SummerSlam, so a little annoyed that that gets cut out. And then even like when you know, the Oddities win the match, it was a 10 minute match. When Oddities win, you know ring the bell rings, ding ding ding. They just cut it off. Next segment, and it's, it was a little annoying, you know. So and let me scroll through here because I'm reading in different little notes because I'm. I'm trying to see the, 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 
And I think this this one we had a we had the next segment. It was another. I think it was another mankind promo after this one. I'm not a hundred percent sure because I know it's. I don't remember where in the show, but at some point there's a promo where mankind talks about you know that it's gonna be just it's just him taking on the outlaws for the tag team titles, and or he's defending it because it was him him and mankind and Kane were the tag team champions at the time. So he's he's talking about you know that because Kane is not gonna isn't supposedly wasn't gonna show up according to the Undertaker, so Foley was debating on whether or not he should even fight in the match. So then you know Mick Fo- Michael Cole interviewing him, he says something like, you know like Mick Foley, you know the, the the people they want their they want their money's worth, and then Mick Foley just one of my fa- I don't know why it's just I just love this promo so much, and he just like like oh the people want their money's worth. Well, by God, I don't want to disappoint the people, Michael. Michael, why don't you be my tag partner, and we'll go out there and we'll get our asses kicked all over Madison Square Garden. Better yet, I've got time. Uh, why don't Why don't mankind go out and play in traffic? You want your money's worth. You want your money's worth. By God, that's important to everybody. And then Vince McMahon approaches him, trying to calm him down and ease his tensions. And then you know, Mick Foley's like, you know, he's like. Jesus, Vince, I'm going to get killed out there. So then Vince tries to hype him up some more, saying, like, you know, it's Madison Square Garden. It's history. You know, and then, you know, trying to get him, you know, with this knowledge. Oh, remember when you were a little kid and you used to hitchhike to the garden and blah, blah, blah. And then he was saying, you know, make about making history, be, you know, going out there on it single by himself to def- successfully defend the, the tag team titles. And then McFoley the whole time talking about how he lost his sledgehammer. Which is really funny because this because he had had he had had a sledgehammer that uh, that Austin had used on the hearse early, earlier in in the evening and Mick Foley was gonna, was going to use that for his match, and, but he had misplaced it somehow and he he just wouldn't shut up about like, I can't I don't have my sledgehammer where's my sledgehammer so then Vince presents to him uh one of one of those little cookie sheet trays with a, a candelabra that was sitting somewhere back there and then Mick Foley dunks dumps the candelabra and holds onto the sheet. And then, you know, he says, oh, that all laws, you know, don't, aren't down for that. I got 13 words for him. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And then he walks off. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know where in this show that that segment happened. Might have been actually the match after this one. But this match that comes that came up after the tag team match with Oddities and Kainzai was uh, Jeff Jarrett versus X-Pac in a hair versus hair match, which I don't know remember i don't remember exactly what the storyline reason was for why they were fighting for each other's hair but i remembered jeff jarrett was was went on a streak where he was sh- cutting people's hair and shaving people's heads so then we get to this match and yeah it's uh, a solid 11 minute match hair versus hair with x-pac and jeff jarrett and earlier in the evening on sunday night heat jeff jarrett decided to shave howard finkel's hair and mustache and rest in peace howard finkel it's, I know it's been a few months already, but rest in peace, Howard Finkel. And yeah, this was a solid match. And I, I, I've always been a, a fan of X Pac, of Sean Waltman, when he was ever since he was one, two, three kid, or Lightning Kid, and then the Kid, and then one, two, three kid, and then six, six Pac, and then X Pac. So I've always been a fan of his, and you know, thought he was awesome during this period, especially. So, and then Jeff Jarrett, I've grown to. A, be a, I've grown to respect his work and become a fan of his. And um, Jeff Jarrett was accompanied by uh, Dennis Knight and Mark Canterbury, aka Vinny, Phineas Godwin and Henry O. Godwin. Uh, and Dennis Knight is also 
Midian, for those of us who might not remember. And then X-Pac was accompanied by Howard Finkel wearing a DX t-shirt over his suit that he, you know, he always wore when he was ring announcing. And the match ended with X-Pac using Jeff Jarrett's guitar you know, hitting him over the head with it and getting the pin. But the thing that I always, that I, that I've, as that I've, you know, watching it now as an adult, I think is funny. The referee goes to count the pin. There's still pieces of the guitar right there in clear vision in front of the referee, and the referee just does not give a shit. And it's just like, yeah, I guess, I guess, and I think it was Mike Kyoto, uh, who apparently now is with AEW. Uh, I haven't watched AEW in a few weeks, so not 100% caught up on what's going on with them, but. Yeah, you know, Mike Kyoto must have been is just an probably an, a very, just an oblivious referee. Uh, so then, yeah, Xbox got the win. So then uh, the New Age Outlaws came out to even the odds with against the uh, Dennis Knight and Mark Canterbury, who was who was known as Southern Justice at the time. Um, and then uh, Head Shrinkers, not Head Shrinkers, the Head Bangers rather, and Darren Drozdov came out to help uh, hold Jeff Jarrett down so that Xbox can start snipping Jeff Jarrett's hair. Um, and yeah, that was fun. That was a fun little match. And then the match after this we had was a marvelous Mark Merrow and Jacqueline uh, taking on the team of Sable and his making his pay-per-view debut, Edge, uh, in a mixed tag team match because the, the storyline was Sable and Mark Merrow had their falling out after several months of teasing it. And... You know, Sable wanting her revenge on Jackie and Mark Merrill. She had her mystery partner being Edge on here. And uh, it was about a little over an eight-minute match, you know. And, you know, the fans, were, the fans were really hot for this one because, you know, fans were hot for Sable at the time. And, you know, Sable, she was not a good athlete. She The, mo- the only thing she really could do was the kicks, the little karate kicks in the corner. And uh, doing the TKO and a powerbomb finisher. Uh, but in this match, she did a Frankensteiner off the top rope. Um, uh, which uh, JR and King, uh, during the replays at the end of the match, were kept, they kept they were calling it a, a Sable Conrana, uh, a Franken Sable, a Sable Steiner. Um, and I think actually in the, the WWF Attitude video game, they actually had it tied, named a, a Sable Steiner. Um... I think that's what it was. It's been a long, long time since I've played that game, so I don't remember it exactly. Um, but yeah, this one was a pretty entertaining match. This was a this one was like a mixture of the sports and the entertainment part. You know, Edge and Mark Merrill being the sports part, and Sable and take fighting Jackie was the entertainment part because again, Sable was not the greatest athlete. But you know, fans at the time they did not give a shit. They just loved Sable because she was Sable. You know, and Sable was fucking hot back then. I mean, she still looks good now, but you know, back then she was a plus, you know. And yeah, not, nothing too spectacular for this match. You know, it's not, not it's not a match that people really go back to and say, "Oh yeah, you remember that match that time at that SummerSlam?" But it had some good parts. Like I said, the you know the the Sable Steiner or the Franken Sable off the top rope, uh, Edge doing a dot a, pl- a suicide plancha over the top rope onto Mark Merrill, uh, and then uh. Edge and Sable getting the pin or getting the win with a move that Edge and Christian used to do, where uh, Sable she got on the floor and rolled back. Edge did like an alley oop and dropped her on onto Mark Merrill and got the pinfall. So that was pretty fun. 
And, and at the time, this is when Edge was still the the silent, you know, personality that would enter through the crowd. So it was a little, it was a, it was pretty funny wa- watching him like that after getting so used to him over the last twenty years, where he you know was had become a very vocal character, especially with the rated R superstar character that was introduced in two thousand five. <clears throat> and then after this, we had. Uh, the Lion's Den match with Kent Shamrock versus Owen Hart, and this one was, you know, just a little over nine minutes, and you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good, like, you know, technical wrestling match, And but at some a couple of parts during the match, fan, I did hear some of the p- people in the audience chanting boring, and one of the other cool things about this match is that this took place in the theater section of Madison Square Garden, which I've been in that part, and it's... It's a lot bigger than you would think it is, cause it's it's like you know they do like 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 the you know I guess I would guess Broadway kind of shows in that part of the garden, but they also had like the screens for people to watch the the the, the rest of the pay per view on closed circuit who were there. Uh, but yeah, it was a like I said, it was a solid wrestling match, submission match especially, and because you know the lines then it was like in a little, not not exactly an octagon, but it was a cage. Kind of like you know, like UFC, but much more smaller and contained, and and it was a yeah, like I said, just a very solid match in a couple of parts. And I don't know if there was an if there was a mat underneath, like the little floor that they actually had in there, because it sounded very very much like just a hard surface. And every time they dropped each other on it, it, it looked like it hurt. Um, um, but yeah, Kent Shamrock and Owen Hart, he was accompanied to the ring by Dan Severn. Uh, which Dan Severn, I'm so I'm disappointed that he didn't get more in his WWF run than what he actually had because I mean the guy was is a legit badass or at least at the time he was so he could have he could have been a main event star and he, and also and I, I think in one of my, one of the past episodes I don't remember which one it was exactly that I'd mentioned about Mark Merrow uh, I th- I don't know if, I don't remember if it was the Beware of Dog episode or when I talked when I did Bad Blood '97. That where I said the Mar- the Mark Merrill as the marvelous Mark Merrill character could have been a solid upper mid card performer or even a, a main eventer if you know given the proper storyline and good push but you know, we'll never know now you know he's happy being a motivational speaker so kudos to him um, but yeah Ken Shamrock and Owen Hart because you know, they because their storyline started uh, when Owen uh, after Unforgiven. Earlier in the year, Owen Hart turned heel and joined the nation, and he turned heel by turning on Kent Shamrock, who was his partner uh, for a little while during that period. So yeah, and then they had their couple of matches between, during that time. Like they had the the dun the dungeon match at the fully loaded pay per view the month before, and which is you know that was Owen's territory. So then they had the Lions End Lions End match, which was Kent Shamrock's territory, and yeah, you know, and they've only had two Lions End matches in history of WWF. They had this match with Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock, and then they had another one the following SummerSlam with Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman, where in that one they had weapons surrounding the cage. And I don't remember how that one was. It's been a long time since I've seen SummerSlam 99. Maybe I should check that one out uh, sometime. But yeah, Ken Shamrock got the win with the submission by getting Owen Hart in the ankle lock, uh, which, of, you know, of course, Ken Shamrock, nine times out of ten, he got got you in the ink clock. You're tapping out. Uh, and then we followed this one up with the tag team title match. False count anywhere. No disqualification. Mankind solo defending against the New Age Outlaws. With you know, of course, Road Dog, Jesse James, and Badass Billy Gunn. Now this one, 
went just a little over five minutes, uh, at least according to what I have pulled up on my screen. And yeah, it was a it was a good match. It's pretty solid, entertaining. You know, nothing too spectacular. You know, considering it was basically just a handicap match, so couldn't really do much out with that. But you know, I still enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a fan of all three men, especially Mankind. Mankind is in my top five favorite of all time. Is legitimately one of my heroes, and so happy that I got to meet him 13 years ago at WrestleMania Fan Access. That was wonderful. I got a picture with him and got his autograph. It was wonderful. Uh, so, nah, because this one, yeah, Mankind came out. He had the little cookie sheet that Vince presented him, and then the Outlaws came out with a dumpster, and <clears throat> and you know they just. Went back and forth as you know you would in this kind of match. Um, one of the things that I remember that they uh, they did a power bomb to mankind through the tables that they had open that open table not tables through the chairs that were set up like that so that right through the seating of the of the chairs. So then Rodog went for the pin with one two mankind kicked out and then but you hear the quick little sound of their their entrance music starting and you can hear the fans chanting you fucked up, which yeah they fucked up that part. Yeah, but then, you know, they brought in the tag title into the ring and did a spike power driver onto the tag title and got the pin. One, two, three, new tag team champions, outlaws. And then they decided to dump Foley into the dumpster and close it shut. They went back into the ring to celebrate. And then emerging from the dumpster was Kane. And he had in his possession the sledgehammer that Mankind was looking for and... Boom! Jammed Foley in the dumpster, still in the dumpster, with that sledgehammer. So then Kane got out of there. Uh, but I think, and I never noticed it before until watching it now. But as Kane was still inside the dumpster, as he was about to exit, so he can close it and you know take it away. Billy Gunn and Road Dog just made a beeline right out of there, right, right past him to get the fuck out of there because they did not want any anything with him. Uh, but yeah, then Kane got that. They scared, they scared it away. And then next up, we had what I believe to be probably the most underrated ladder match in WWF history. And it is, honestly, I might even say that it is my personal favorite ladder match of all time. Triple H versus The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship. And this was a ladder match where they kind of took it to the next level. Uh, especially during that period, because up at, the, at that point, the only ladder matches that they had... Were all the ones with Shawn Michaels, you know, the one, the two that he had with Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10 and SummerSlam 95, and the first one, way a few years before that, when he fought Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Title, um, in 1992, I believe, and then, yeah, we had Triple H and The Rock, which, like I said. This is to me. This is I consider it to be the most underrated ladder match, and I don't you don't hear I don't hear enough people talking about it because this is a ladder match that actually took the the violence factor in it to to another level where you know they were using they were using chairs and you know they they start they actually people bled in this match and like the Rock he bled and he, but it was like the way the weird way that Rock always bled where it was very very little thin blood like very thin not not thin as in you know like it's you know like you know, like he like like taking blood thinners. It would be like, like literally, it would be like like a little like little line right there, a little line coming out right there, and uh, you know, not saying that it wasn't real blood. It just didn't look like it, but at least to me. Um, but 
Uh, and at, before the match, we had uh, the DX band performing the DX theme song for Triple H's entrance, which is always cool. Uh, and, you know, and rest in peace to Chris Warren. He's another one that passed away to, uh, over some time over the last few years. Um, uh, and, but you know the when they did, but their performance for for the for the entrance music here was not quite as solid as their when they did it at WrestleMania 14 earlier that year. Because uh, uh, they they were like a few a few beats behind, you know, with the performance, you know. But hey, it's okay. <sighs> Sorry, not don't mean to yawn. Like I said, I'm recording this. All right, it's almost two o'clock now. So, but hey, at least at least it's the weekend. I'm off on Sundays, so it's okay. But um, yeah, the, like I said, they they the violence factor. And brutality of this of of ladder of what we now see from ladder matches started basically started here, um, you know where they they really put emphasis on using the ladder as a weapon in this match like you know like Rock sling did the slingshot move you know with the legs Triple H right into the ladder um, being body slammed onto the ladder have you know baseball slide with the ladder right into the Rock's face um, and even got the even got a people's elbow. On the ladder, and also I don't know if it was this match specifically, but I know it, this was around the time where the fans started to get behind the Rock and started to cheer for him, because they were really, they definitely were cheering for him in this match, and yeah, so and you know, you know, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the Rock, he did he did have a lot of great matches, most mostly with guys like Triple H and Austin and Foley. Yeah, but yeah, still, you know, he he. I can admit that he did have some some great memorable matches, and this one being one of them. Um, and um, Mark Henry was in the Rock's corner for this one as well, and China, of course, in Triple H's corner, and uh, the back and forth uh, when they finally get to the closing moments of the match, where Triple H gets the pedigree on the Rock, and the fans are on their feet, it's like, all right, this is his chance. He's go up the ladder. Get the belt. Mark Henry th- does the the old, you know, the old um, Mr. Fuji trick, throwing not salt, but he throws a white a white powder in his face, in Triple H's face. So then Triple H is struggling, trying to find his way, feel his way around. He manages to get the ladder, climb up it, and he's trying to feel his way around. And the, but the Rock climbs up there as well, punches him a couple times, and he knocks him down a few rungs. And then China. Coming into the ring, because uh, I believe she had she had knocked over Mark Henry for a, for a little bit before that. Uh, I think so. I believe so. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I did watch it tonight, but it was like three hours ago when I watched it. Um, but yeah, China got into the ring, did her signature low blow to the Rock, knocking him off the ladder. Triple H climbs up those couple of steps that he needed, and then he reaches up, grabs that Intercontinental title. Snatches it down, and the way those fans erupted, it's like, you don't see that anymore. I mean, especially not currently, because there's no fans, but I mean, before that, you didn't see fans on their feet for that, because it's like, as soon as he grabbed that belt, the fans, everybody in Madison Square Garden were on their feet, screaming their their lungs out, and it's, it was awesome, and I still get, ch- and I got chills, watch even watching it now, when that happened, Cause, and I remember when my brothers and I, we were, all three of us were watching that paper, that SummerSlam. We were all in the living room, and then Triple H grabbed that belt. Even we were, we jumped up on our feet, and we were so fucking excited for that. It was awesome. 
God, I miss watching wrestling with my brothers. <sighs> Anyways, uh, it was an awesome moment, awesome match, great match that if you haven't seen it before, you should go out of your way to watch it. In fact, just go out of your way to watch this this pay-per-view, period, because it's, it is a great pay-per-view. It really is. And and then on, on this version, on the WWE Network, they have a little like bonus you know footage where they follow The Rock after the match, where he goes to the trainer's room. And Rock is basically saying, like, you know, you know, Triple H is the, the if you think that this is the end of it, it's you know, you got another thing coming, kind of, you know, cliched line. And then we come up to the main event of the pay per view is the Undertaker taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship. And this is another one that I feel like does is a match that doesn't get enough love because. It is another very, very great match, and it's and it's and it is a, a classic Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of match, you know, because after he he had the neck injury, you know, Austin had to, ad, you know, adapt his fighting style to accommodate his situation with the neck, and but this was still a very solid wrestling match, and at one point Kane did come out down the aisle because again, you know, you know Kane and Undertaker. Had joined forces by this point, but and Kane was in the album Undertaker. He he stopped him and told him, "No, go back, go back. It's just gonna be me and him one on one," and that was cool. Um, and and they had a, they brawled in the crowd for a couple of minutes as well. Uh, and also there was one part that I know Austin has brought it up a lot. He brought it up in the Smoking Skull sessions with Undertaker. That you know when on you know the, you know that when they do the thing where one person ducks and then they get the you know quick, quick little kick, uh the and I think like Undertaker ducked down and Austin gave him a kick but an Undertaker's head popping up real quick just bumped him on the jaw and knocked him knocked him a little loopy for a couple of seconds, um and then uh and part that I remembered most from the match is. And especially because, and I think, that you, and they do show it in, a, in in some highlight reels for the Undertaker, which I love that they do that because it's, it's a really cool part. Uh, that Undertaker had put Austin on the Spanish announce table, and he goes to the top rope, does a diving leg drop from the top rope to the announce table. The table doesn't compl- doesn't break, you know, like they like it's supposed to, quote unquote. But it was still an awesome moment that had the the, the entire arena on the on its feet for that. And and then you know, all then they got back into the ring, and of course, Stone Cold Center one two three, still WWF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, and then Austin, uh, Undertaker and him they have their face to face at the end at, after the match where Undertaker, showing respect, hand, hands him the WWF title, uh, but then uh, like Undertaker starts to leave, and he stops in the middle of the aisle, and Kane is right there with him, so it's you know. Because the story was not over. It would go on for a little while. And the next step or the next stop on that on that, that storyline was at the uh, Breakdown pay-per-view. Uh, where it was the triple threat match. A very unique triple threat match where Kane and Undertaker could only win by pinning Stone Cold Steve Austin to become the WWE Champion. They can't pin each other. They could only pin him. Which... I'm surprised they haven't tried anything like that now. Um, but, yeah. <sighs> and if it was the original broadcast of the pay-per-view, that's where we would get the highlight video at the end of this with Highway to Hell uh, for the for the video. 
But yeah, well, you can do you can do like me and just listen to Highway to Hell on your own while watching the pay per view. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this edition of Classic Wrestling Pay Per Views. Ah, I had a lot of fun visiting, revisiting this one. And like I said, it is my favorite SummerSlam pay per view, and one that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. I, and I don't know why. I don't understand why this one doesn't get talked about enough because it is a, it is a solid pay per view from top to bottom. Has a great solid opener with the European Championship match, and has a great closer with the WWF title match. With which to me, my favorite, you know, like I said, ladder match, Triple H and Rock is my favorite ladder match, and is without a doubt in my at least in my opinion, the match of the night. So, and again, if you haven't watched the pay per view, please go out of your way to check that out. And also, like I said, I will have the link to the Highway to Hell music video in the description for this as well. And again, thank you all so much for tuning in for this one. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Menetize Podcast uh, on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date. And if you prefer the audio-only version so that you don't have to look at my my lovely face, you can do so by subscribing to Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Breaker, and Anchor. The direct links to all of those will be in the description for you guys to check out. And if you would like to, please support the, the Menetize Podcast by joining my Patreon for $1 a month. That link is in the description as well. Or you can also check out the Minutes Hides podcast store where I have all kinds of different designs that you can get as a t-shirt, sweater, hoodie, tank top, magnet, sticker, pin, face mask, whatever. You know, All the designs are available as face masks and t-shirts, of course. And certain ones are available in different designs too, like you know, with notebooks and phone cases and Whatever else you can find, pick your favorite design, check what is av- what items are available for it, and just have fun with it. And check out my previous uh, entries for the Minutes podcast, either my regular episodes on here, uh, which I'm slowly preparing for the 100th episode. Which, like I said, I'm going to do a Q and A uh, special for that one, and I've, I've gotten I've already had a few questions submitted so far, and I'm going to wait a little bit longer. Before I actually do the episode, I want to get try to get as many questions as, as I possibly can for that one. But yeah, you can check out my previous podcast episodes. You can check out my previous entries to my classic wrestling pay-per-views. Um, I have Bad Blood 1997, Survivor Series 2002, Starcade 1997, Royal Rumble 2000, Super Brawl 2001, WrestleMania from 1985, uh, ECW Barely Legal from 1997, Beware of Dog in Your House from 1996, ECW One Night Stand 2005, and also my worst to best for Spider-Man, Batman, Halloween, Superman, Star Wars, X-Men, my retro film reviews for Lion King 1994, Masters of the Universe, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, No Holds Barred, uh, my double feature for Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values, and the one I just did this week, which was Spaceballs, um, and just... Yeah, my video game reviews for The Last of Us, Last of Us Part 2. Uh, my other regular movie reviews for Halloween 2018, Aquaman, Fighting With My Family, Captain Marvel, Adventures Endgame, Dark Phoenix, Spider-Man Far From Home, Lion King 2019, Joker, Rise of Skywalker, uh, Birds of Prey, and Jane Silent Bob Reboot. All of those, again, are available on the Menetize Podcast channel. Uh, check those out if you haven't already. And... 
Thank you all so much for watching, for listening, for subscribing. I love and appreciate every single one of you who do. I truly and genuinely do, and I hope you are taking care of yourselves, your loved ones, staying safe and healthy. This has been Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views from the Menatides Podcast. I am Julian, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.